So we're in this series about uh, worship warriors. The question today is why is it so hard and what are the worship worship? How many of you have never had, and every time you worship it's easy? No, we've all had obstacles to worship. There, there are times that you don't feel like worshiping. Come on. There are times we're under attack. Sometimes we even lose the desire to worship. And, and, the, and I get up and say, you need to worship the Lord. And you're like, you're not walking in my shoes, talking like that. Well, maybe I have felt like you have felt. As. Here's the thing about it. I don't care how you feel. Someone else has felt that. We now have 6,000 years of history. Some of us felt that at some point or another and got through it. Amen. So the enemy will do whatever he can to keep you from being in his presence. I mean, he tempted Jesus, tried to pull him out of the presence of the Father. Oh, giving you see and all this stuff. And he tempted him with it and, and give you bread. And, and uh, so, you know, but he threw the word back at him. We live in Luke chapter 10 and, and the things we go through. And you got Martha who cooks, right? You're, you're hospitality people. You love to and get in the house straight and getting everything. So Martha was that kind of personality. And Mary was a different kind of personality. Now, I know preachers love Mary. They love to preach on But sometimes some people are... are Sometimes people are like that. And I don't think what Martha was doing was wrong. I don't think what Mary, I mean, Jesus was there for a meal. <laughs> he was there to relax. He was there to eat. He was, he was there, uh, you know, if, if Martha was doing. But I think Martha got caught up in it and got so caught up in it that she lost sight of what could be even more important. So Martha became exasperated. By, by finishing the numerous households. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think, I always love, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me? Self? You should tell her, I'm like, if I were Jesus, I'd say, Mark, you should tell her to get up and help me. So, so Martha has become distracted, and the word there, the word, the word there um, about uh, being interrupted and all that stuff there is paraspao, and it means to be distracted or to be dragged all around. She was dragged all around. Sometimes it's not just about being distracted, but we feel like we're being pulled. Pulled this way, pulled that way, dragged all over the place. Amen. To the point where we're just not able to focus on the Lord and we don't seem to have time. And, 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 and if we'll be honest, the only time we pray and praise is when we got nothing else to do. It's like the last thing on the list instead of the first thing on the list. What, what Martha was doing was good, but what Mary was doing was best. And sometimes we get so caught up in doing what's good, we miss out on what is best. Verse 41 and 42, let's continue the story. The Lord answered her, Martha, 
Martha, my beloved Martha, can you see Jesus saying it? Why are you upset and troubled? There's that word trouble that I just referenced. Pulled all over. Pulled away by all these many distractions. Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted. How many know you can worship and still work? I, I think Martha could have still worshiped. I think she still could have given him attention and still got the job done. Come on. But she was totally wrapped up, totally pulled away by all the stuff she had to do, amen, until she couldn't worship at all, and all she could do was criticize. Here's what I believe. When, when, people, when people stop worshiping and they get out of the presence of God, they become very good at criticizing those of us who are doing other things other than what they're doing. Does that make sense? She discovered the one thing, the most important, by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't. I'm not going to pull her away. There are several things that can distract us, right? Stray thoughts. How many get stray thoughts? The older I get, the strayer they become. And I've always said this, if you've ever forgotten anything, just start praying. The devil will remember where that is now. And sure enough, you're not praying anymore. You're running after doing the thing you forgot about. So there's always these stray thoughts. And, and sometimes they're the weirdest thoughts, thoughts you never would have had otherwise. But it's like, where did it come from? And I'm not saying necessarily evil thoughts, just stray thoughts that have nothing to do with anything. Sometimes, sometimes you get, but I will say it before I discovered this, sometimes I get thoughts about how to do things in the church or how to say a word to somebody or how to, how to help somebody with something. I say, I'm trying to pray right now, and I, and I throw that thought out of my head. You know, this is all about God right now. And I didn't realize that was the Holy Ghost. That while you're in the presence of the Lord, some stray thoughts are from the Holy Ghost. So you need to write it down, right? Because if you don't, you'll forget it. So write it down, and that, that frees your mind to go on and, and praise the Lord. And even if, even if it is, it has nothing. You, you remember where you put your glasses or something? The other day, I looked all over the house for my glasses, and I said, oh, yeah. Have you ever walked around the house? looking for your phone, and it was right there in your hand. It's like, maybe I should turn my phone and look on. Maybe my phone could tell me where my phone is. Oh, just sharing the lives of old people. Amen. You young people don't have problems like that, right? It's worse. How about people becoming distractions? How about, how about being offended at somebody, being angry? towards somebody. How many know that's action? Double-mindedness. When God begins to move and speak, and then all the yes buts. We're supposed to be sheep, but a lot of us are goats. We butt everything. We just come against everything. Well, you know, God, I don't know about that. 
uh, a lack of direction in your life. Knowing who you are or where you're going or what's happening. Distraction, a lack of direction, uh, time restraints. Uh, I've got something else to do. I can only spend five minutes here. Whatever thing is, and sometimes time becomes something, and, and the watch on our wrist becomes. I've often said the snooze alarm is the greatest curse to the Christian faith. Pushing the snooze alarm till we have to get up for work and then we don't pray. Amen. How about comparisons? Comparing yourself to other people. That, that's that's you get into fear, doubts. There's just all these, all these um, distractions that pull us away. Philippians three fourteen tells us exactly what we have to do. Paul says, "I press." Say, "I press." I, I press, I push toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. That word press means to take action and be disciplined towards a goal. To take action. See, if you're not, if you're not intentional with your worship, you'll never worship. If you don't become intentional about a prayer life, and I know somebody says, I'm going to pray an hour if it kills me, you know, and, and, and so I'm just, I can't think of anything else to pray. By the way, if you ever get there, call me. I'll give you my list. So we, we sometimes, we don't know how to pray for an hour, so we just, it's, it's not about, I know it's not about how long you pray, but you need to tarry presence of the Lord. And sometimes the enemy will cut short. More often than not, you're not praying as long as you should. That we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Not everything's sin. Not everything is sin, but some things hold you back. Every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run. With endurance, the race that is set before. There's a race set before you. Some of us have just joined the crowd, <laughs> watching everybody else. Hello. I know I'm talking to the wrong group for sure this morning. So let me give you four ways real quick to stay focused. How many can stay focused on fourth? <laughs> stay focused with me. Number one, stay in the Word. Stay in the Word. Keep reading the Word. It's weird when people say, well, I read the Bible. It's not that kind of book. It actually does something when you read it. I don't care if you read the 23rd Psalm every day. It can bless you every day. Stay in the Word. One person said, said the Word to me is like spinach to Popeye. Oh, you don't get it, okay? I don't want to tear my suit. I just, I gotta be. Lord, they're laughing at me. They're laughing. Stay in the Word. Stay in the Word. Have a disciplined time of reading the Word. That'll help you stay uh, in your time of, in fact, use the Word to pray it back to God. Number two, stay in faith. Believe. Keep your faith red hot. How do I know if my faith is weakening? Listen to what you're saying. Listen to your words. Are your words negative? Are your words complaining? Are your words tearing down? 
Or are your words building up? Are your words positive? Are your words believing and trusting in God? What you say is a reflection of what's going on inside you, church. And it's especially true when something comes against you. Just to put it in simple terms, when you hit your thumb with a hammer, we find out what's really in you. Stay in faith. Watch what you are speaking. Number three, stay in fellowship. The devil will tell you, those people don't love me. They don't even speak to me when I come to church. Well, that's because you come late and leave early, but never mind. Put us all to the test, see if we can catch you. Listen, if you want friends, be friendly. I've never seen anyone who didn't reach out that people wouldn't reach back. Listen, the fel- this is why it's so, de- I think this is why the enemy's trying to shut down churches. People say, oh, you don't need to go to church. No, no, it was designed for you to go to church. I'm not saying you can't go to heaven if you don't go to church. I'm just saying if you want to be a true believer Christian, you need to be in the house of God. Because we're a family, and if a family never comes together, it's dysfunctional. You say, well, I haven't talked to my family in 10 years. You're dysfunctional. It may or not may or may not be your fault, but that family's dysfunctional. And when church people, when God's people don't want to be with their brothers and their sisters, that's dysfunctional. You you could go to heaven being dysfunctional. <laughs> Amen. But by the way, we're going to be together for eternity. That's a long time for me to aggravate you. You might as well start getting along now. Amen. Let's learn how to get along now. Because, listen, the power of the church is in its assembly. Let me say that again. The power of the church. You can go to heaven, but where's the power at? Where two or three, he didn't just say have faith. He did say if you have faith, you can move a mountain. But then he says things like where two or three are gathered, I'm there in the midst. I think he's implying that that it's not always just about you and Jesus, but there's something special where two or three gather, where 30 or 40 or 50 come together. Something happens that doesn't happen when you're all by yourself. That's why the devil wants to shut the church down. If he can isolate us, he'll he'll he takes our power from us. Let me say it again. The power of the church is in its assembly. Stay in. You will drift from your purpose and fellowship. You will drift from your destiny. I don't care who you are, how holy you are. God can keep you in the worst situations, but I'm telling you the power stay in fellowship. And number four, stay in joy. Stay in joy. One person told me about how sad they were, and I said, you know, or sometimes you just got to say, I don't feel it, but I'm going to smile. I, I don't feel it, but God's done great things for me. I think I should be thankful. 
Things are not going well right now, but they'll be okay eventually. And they were all right before. I'm going to choose to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to choose to do it. I'm going to choose to worship. I'm going to choose to praise him. Quit following your feelings. Listen, I was raised in the old church. A lot of you were raised in the old church. And sometimes the worship services are kind of like, well, let's just sit here and wait for God to move. And when God begins to move, you know, I'll get kind of like the guy waiting for the water to be troubled, waiting for the angel to stir things, then I'll get in. (laughs) But you know what? I don't care how I feel. I'm going to praise him anyway. I'm not waiting for God to move. I want God to know I love him now. I want God to know I'm going to praise him if the waters move or the waters don't move. Amen. Whether I'm in or out, I'm with it. I'm going to praise him regardless of my emotions and what's happening in my day. I'm going to praise him anyway. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. 99 times out of 100 when I praise when I don't feel like it, before I'm done, I start feeling like it. Woo! Praise the Lord, amen. Praise God. Ah, Psalm 16, 11 talks about joy and, 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 and the presence of the Lord. He said, you, you will show me the path of life and in your presence, in your, in your presence, Not at Cedar Point. Not on my boat in the lake. In your presence is of joy. At your right hand are pleasures. Woo! Forevermore. How many have found that to be true? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm believing for a breakout in worship. And listen, as pastor, and I'm sure you agree with me, it's hard just to have church nowadays. It's hard to have church when three, four. It's hard to have altar calls when you have to have socially distant altars. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to get people just to worship because of the, of the climate of fear. And if it's not fear, it's guilt. You know, someone's guilting you. You know, I, you can't always tell what people are judgmental eyes. Put your mask on. Okay. Jesus, help us. Amen? But listen, I, I don't care what's going on. There can be a breakout. If Jesus can be born in a stable, bless God, I can be blessed during a virus. Mm. Wow. First Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1, the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. It was a, it was a, a cold time. It was a time where people, weren't, people were separated. God wasn't moving. That, that, that word widespread, it means breakout. He said, what, what he's literally saying, there, it, there was no breakout revelation. 
Ah, I just gave you something to pray over. I want you to start praying. God, give us a breakout revelation. Give us a breakout word. Give us a breakout experience in our worship services. Let it, let, let it begin today. God, move on that Sunday before Christmas. God, let there be a breakout revelation, a breakout word, a breakout move of God. It's like, it's like Micah chapter 2. Verses 12 and 13, Micah says, I will, I will surely assemble all of you. It was a time when they weren't, they weren't assembly. They were, they were separated. They, they, and he says, and listen, that's a word to us. God's saying, I am going to bring you back together. I'm going to do it. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like sheep of the fold, like a flock in the midst of their pasture. They shall make a loud noise because of many people. Woo! Come on, put that word on your refrigerator. Watch this. The one who breaks open will come up before them. They will break out pass through the gate and go out by it. Their king will pass before them with the Lord at their head. It's time to open some doors. It's time to open some gates. The Lord, the Lord of the breakthrough. He is the Lord. Mm. Baal Perizim, right? Go back to an old sermon. God of the breakthrough. That's what we need. In these last days, literally, he is the breaker. I was talking with, he's, he's a pilot, been a pilot for, I, don't know. I said, help, help me a little bit with how, and which is a total miracle still to me. I've been in some airplanes that are absolutely, you got the middle section, the head sections, and then they tell you how much it weighs. They should never do that. I don't even know how they get the gasoline up, much the rest of us. I mean, that thing weighs a lot, and it's huge. You, you know, the airplanes with the double-deckers and that thing. And then while you're up in the air, you have that thought. <laughs> what is keeping this thing up in the air? I have trouble with a little glider. <laughs> what, what is going on here? And, and I told him, I says, I guess there, there, there's two things. I was telling him. <laughs> I, I said, there, there's the law of gravity. If I fall off, if I step off this, which I've been very close to many times, if I fall off, which law takes effect? The law of gravity. Doesn't matter how much you weigh, you will fall. It's a law. You're not supposed to be able to break a law, but airplanes break it because there's another law. It's the law of aerodynamics. It's, some call it the law of lift. So you got the law of gravity, and then, but then you've got the law of lift. They're both laws, but the one law, there's, the law of lift, there's certain things that have to be in place. For it to break the law of gravity, you have to have your wings constructed in a certain way so that there's more air going under it than over it. And you and here's here's the you have to reach a certain speed. 
if you do not reach that speed, and every pilot knows what the speed is for that particular plane, you have to have enough runway, so forth. You have to, once you reach that particular speed, they call it V1. When you reach that particular, he said, listen, if you're going to abort the flight, <laughs> you have to do it before V1. Because once you hit V1, honey, you're going up. It's not like, it's not like there's a little switch where the, you say, okay, okay, I want to go up now. Click. <laughs> no, you, you have to reach a certain speed. And, but listen, when you reach that speed, you are going up. So if you don't want to go up, you better decide before V1. Because once you hit V1, you are going up. Because another law takes effect. And that law can't be broken either. What are you saying, preacher? There's a law in the spirit that overcomes the law of the law, the law of the law. There's a law in the spirit that's greater than the law of the earth. There's a, there's a law in the spirit that's greater than the law of sin and death. Amen. There is a law in God. When you reach a spiritual velocity, when you pray, when you seek, God, and you're sincere. You reach a place in God where you're going up, honey. You, don't, you won't even have a choice in the matter. When you get a certain place in God, the, mm, all that the devil's trying to do to keep you down is null and void. When you reach, there's a place in God where you're going up. There's a place in God that you'll draw close to him. So I was telling him about what I thought about the law of lift and the law. But he said, no, no, there, there's two, thi two more things you have to consider. You have to consider the velocity, and I mentioned that, and then you have to consider drag because the more drag, the more you have to compensate with the velocity. The more power you need to overcome the drag. And he said, for instance, ice can form on your wings. And if there's ice on the wings when you're taking off or when you're in the air, that's called drag. You're going to have to run a little faster to overcome the drag. He said, well, I said, well what else can be drag? He said, everything in the plane. <laughs> I didn't realize I was a drag. The weight of the plane itself is a drag. Didn't I read Hebrews 12, 1? Get rid of the weight. So the less weight you have, the more likely you can attain the speed you need to rise in God. And some of you have so much weight. I don't know that you can reach the speed. That you need to get off. I'm here, listen, let me put it another way. It's let me an easy way to get closer to God. Get rid of the junk. Whew. You know, but if the plane is going down, it's like she just knew when to come in. If you're going down, you're crashing, you're not allowed to take your luggage with you. Especially if you're sitting in the row where the exit is. 
I can see us going down now, and everyone's held up from getting on because Gloria's getting her stuff out of the. No, no, there, there's a time to let go. There's a time to, I don't need this anymore. There's a time to just, listen, sometimes on Sunday morning we get that, but on Monday we're back on the ground. Because it's not about just reaching that velocity. You have to maintain that velocity. It's like being in a, in a canoe uh, uh, rowing against the current. As long as you keep rowing, you'll move ahead. But if you stop rowing, the current takes over. How many know there's a current called the devil? There's a current called the world. And if you're not constantly rowing, I know it's an uphill battle. Preachers don't want you to even, they don't even want to preach that. They don't want to talk about how good and easy it is to be a Christian. No, it's work. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you got your attitude right, you have to keep rowing. You have to your speed. Can I get man? You have to minimize drag and maximize. Galatians 5, 7, worship team. He said, you ran well. Who hindered you? You started out good. Isaiah chapter 40, and you know, you know. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord. And by wait, he doesn't mean sitting in a pew. It's kind of like wait like a waiter. Those who serve the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. You'll get your thrust. You'll get your speed back. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Ah, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and faint. Would you stand with me? Praise God. Keep up your speed, church. Keep up your speed. Be a worshiper every day. Spend time in his presence. And, and even, when you, even when you're doing other things, how many know you can keep Jesus on your mind? Wherever you go, every conversation, every chore, every duty, just keep Jesus on your mind. Just keep him on your mind. Let's pray. Father, oh, how we love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Father, help us to maintain our thrust, to minimize our drag, to rise and soar like eagles who know how to put the wind under their wings, who know how to take the storm of, of life and use it for thrust and lift Help us to use whatever comes our way to lift us higher in the Lord Jesus. Father, we know you are the breaker, and we pray that you'll break through for us, break through in our homes, our families, our jobs, our situations, our health, whatever is needed, Father. Be the breaker this morning. 
be the breaker this morning. And we'll just praise you for that. We bless your name. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Let's sing. Let's raise hands to the Lord and let's praise him. Those of you on Facebook, just take a minute. Just worship. Get your speed up. 